Welcome back to another episode of Operant Innovations. I believe that this is going to be our 56th episode of this series on Operant Innovations, which is exciting. Um, I'm Maddie Duke, and with me today, I have my husband, Alan. Hello there. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. So I'm Alan, Maddie's husband, devilishly ha handsome, obviously, because Maddie chose me to be her husband, uh -huh. but I am in construction. I'm an estimator, I guess, pre-construction coordinator for a uh, construction company. I do work with hospitals, uh, specifically VA hospitals, and graduated with a degree in construction management from Utah Valley University, and I don't know anything about behavior analysis, so this is an interesting experience for me. I mean, I think that you have learned a few things over the years in my... Tangentially through yeah. you, for sure. You, I, I would say that you know a little bit, but you are not... I would not trust you to go in and run any kind of program. For sure. Perhaps more than the average human. Yes. Yes. So the conversation that I want to have today is about creativity. So in addition to the podcast for ABA Technologies, I also work on our test prep line. And this last week, we have a Facebook group where we talk about content relating to the exam. And um, we were talking about lag schedules this week. So if you don't know about lag schedules, those are a schedule of reinforcement where reinforcement is dependent on providing a response that is different than what has previously been given. Um, so you can't say the same two things in a row and receive reinforcement. And then we were talking about one of the uses for this type of schedule is to teach creativity. And somebody commented and said, creativity cannot be taught through behavior analysis. Uh, they essentially said that creativity is a lack of inflexible thoughts. And so we just can't teach it through behavior analysis, which as a radical behaviorist, I was like, that is wrong. That is false. We can teach it. We can measure it. We can all of these things. Um, and so I just wanted to have a conversation. So before I kind of get into what I think creativity is, what do you think creativity is? I think creativity is pretty interesting. It's almost like kind of hard to define because it's something that's like innate. I, I guess I'm interested to like hear your thoughts as to whether or not it can be taught because I guess for the longest time I've thought that it's just kind of like something within ourselves that makes us want to do and build and make unique things. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, I've tended to think that it's something that like, you have to put forth effort to be more creative perhaps, but it's like often like there's something like fueling that within you, mm. at least in my case, I would say. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting way to put it. And it's, it's really interesting because I think that the behaviorist view and specifically the radical behaviorist view is that all behavior is reinforced on some kind of schedule, right? Um, and those reinforcers can change. So I think what you're describing is 
kind of this desire or maybe we call it a motivating operation for reinforcement for, for almost like an automatic reinforcement, which is kind of what you're talking about with this like innate thing, right? Automatic reinforcement is, it, it's internal to the organism. So it's not you telling me I've done a good job. It's myself telling me I've done a good job, which that's also another conversation because is that social? Because you, anyway, we don't need to get into that right now, but essentially it, it's reinforced by something different. Um, and I don't know, does that, does that make sense yeah, to you? I think that makes sense for sure. I mean, you think about like a job well done, uh -huh. right? Like I, I work in construction and so there's like physical, tangible things that I have to see, you know, and, and I was talking with a coworker yesterday at lunch, like how we in construction have these projects that you drive down the road and you see them and you're like, man, I built that. And I think that that's kind of like the epitome of creativity for me mm -hmm. is like, I guess the process too, but like the end result and yeah. that, that feeling within yourself of like, um, man, that felt really, really good. Yeah. You know, and I guess in many cases you're creating something, right? Mm -hmm. I guess the base of creativity is to create. Yeah. And so you're putting something out in the world for others to partake of yeah. too, or, or like observe, or, um, I guess gain happiness from perhaps. So I think that's an interesting aspect of yeah. creating in and of itself. And I think it's interesting too, you know, we have been together for quite some time. So, I, and I remember having conversations specifically when you were working in home building and driving through neighborhoods where you could drive down a street and say, I built that house and I built that house and I built that house. And the pride that you had in being able to see these tangible things that you had created. And I remember conversations where we're talking about how you derive happiness or if we're speaking behaviorally, you receive reinforcement by seeing these tangible products that you have created. And for me, my reinforcers come more from a process or from a set of verbal behavior. I don't really know how to explain it. I like working with people. I like sense. seeing a change in their life, which is less tangible, but is my reinforcer. Um, so I think it's important to this conversation to talk about and recognize that what's reinforcing to different people is different. Yeah, I think so. Like I've worked for several companies at this point, some of which were more creative in nature, some, or I guess the, the position was more creative in nature, some of which were more like, like clerical or process driven. Mm -hmm. And I have definitely found that I am most happy when I'm in that like creative flow state, mm -hmm. you know, whether that's like, working with a client to design custom elements of their home or, you know, in the case of like VA projects, uh, like the hospital projects that I'm working on, like how the heck are we going to put this thing together? Yeah. And that, and even though it's like kind of a process driven thing, it's like very creative in nature of like how you work the process mm -hmm. versus having like a process that's laid out for you. Yes. And for me that like being able to like create my own destiny in terms of 
even process driven things Mm -hmm. is like way better for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really great segue into a more specific definition of behavior. Uh, So I remember from my radical behaviorism class reading about creativity in Skinner's book about behaviorism. And his definition within that book is that creativity is just a novel response. Um, So that could be evoked by novel stimuli, or it could be evoked by what Skinner calls mutations, which I kind of take to be kind of like a genetic mutation. We maybe don't have an exact reason why this happened, but this change, this abnormal thing happened. And then of course, for that behavior to occur in the future or um, whatever it it is selected by the environment or receives your enforcement. Is that like, um, cause generationally, mm-hmm. like I have way different interests than my mm-hmm. parents, Yes, you know, I guess similar, you know, my mom does like quilting, right. whereas I like woodworking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my dad loves talking about history and he likes woodworking and building stuff too, but maybe not to the level mm-hmm. of me. Do you think that that's kind of the same thing in terms of like generational mutation of like, I am different than my parents? Listen, we could have <laughs> a really long conversation about that. I just opened the box right there. <laughs> did. Um, I And the, the reality is, I remember having like back and forths with my professors about this. And we don't really have a good answer to that question, which is really frustrating for me because I wish we did. And I would love to go through and be like, this is why. And I mean, we have done that a little bit with, uh, you know, you do have some family members who have similar interests to you, even if they're not your parents. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess people are unique, Mm -hmm. you know, person to person, even, like you and I have similar but different interests yeah. and all of them are creative in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some thoughts about like things that are creative, but perhaps like like things that may not seem creative, but could be, mm-hmm. you know, this could be like a topic of conversation for future or like later in the podcast yeah. in terms of like woodworking can be very much process driven, yes. but is also hugely creative for some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that is on our outline to get to later, uh, very specifically. I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm going to make you wait. Okay. Um, Cliffhanger right there. <laughs> um, so I guess to get back to your original question of, you know, why are we interested in certain things? I remember the answer that my professor gave me is that Skinner said that everything comes back to an unconditioned motivating operation or an unconditioned reinforcer. And so everything that we like can be drawn back to something that we need to survive. And I hate that answer. I, I, I hate that answer. But that's according to Dr. Goki at Florida Tech, uh, who says she is quoting Skinner, that's the answer. Why do you hate the answer? Because 
you can't identify things really in that way. Like it's kind of just like, well, it always has to come back to this. So it's almost like there's no point in trying to identify why or what or how, because it's just, well, it's an unconditioned thing. And so something in your learning history made it that way. Well, what? I want to know what. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Let's, let's move on. Um, we talked about a little bit about lag schedules and schedules of reinforcement, um, especially when we are teaching creativity, we are reinforcing that usually on a lag schedule. I do think there's an interesting kind of conversation um, in terms of drafting something creative um, because most likely, the socially mediated reinforcement, reinforcement coming from other people is not going to come on your first draft. Um, so in that case, maybe you are engaging in some kind of verbal behavior and telling yourself, you know, it'll get better next time, or I'm going to make this change and it will make it better. Um, there may be some kind of mitigation between the initial taking on that project or that process uh, before you receive that reinforcement. Um, but I also think it's a very interesting thing because there's this kind of big question of if you're producing something more than once, it's no longer a novel response. So is it still creative? I would say yes. Yeah. You're, you're talking in terms of like revisions and like, for instance, like a work of writing going through mm -hmm. the revision process? Yeah, I mean, or, I think it could be applied to a lot of things and maybe not even always a revision. But yes, that that is one example. I tend to think that like surrounding yourself with people that are open to the process is pretty important to like being able to be creative. Mm -hmm. um, we do a lot of writing at work and it's not really creative writing, but it's like defining how we're going to do a project. Mm -hmm. um, so it's pretty creative for me in terms of like explaining all of these thoughts that I have in my head about like a unique way to approach a really, really complicated project. And oftentimes the first, like the first version, the first draft is pretty rough mm -hmm. and in many ways, that first draft can be like idea generation. Mm -hmm. And then it sparks an idea of like, yeah. oh man, we're totally thinking it, you know, we can think it a, a totally different way. Yeah. We're, we're, you know, whatever process we're thinking about may be wrong. Mm -hmm. And round two is creative. Like you've gone through like that revision of like, okay, I've reframed this in my head of how we're actually going to do this project. Mm -hmm. Now I need to write that. Yeah. And then you do that two or three times and you end up with like a pretty decent piece of writing, um, you know, that persuades whoever your client is to mm -hmm. do the project with you. Mm -hmm. um, and I tend to think that that's pretty like common throughout all kinds of creativity, yeah. you know, like in my case, woodworking, like version one is like the rough cutting the wood to like the pieces that I want to use for the project. And that in and of itself can be super creative in terms of like, 
picking out the grain that you want for the drawer face of the the cabinet that you're building or something like that yeah and then it's like further shaping it into something that actually looks like a drawer because at the yeah. beginning it's just a piece of wood right and then further refining that and then the finishing process can be super creative like putting on you know a coat of clear coat and like seeing the grain really pop so I think at every point you can um lean creativity from that mm -hmm. process or it can just be like okay I got a board I'm just gonna like make a drawer right. and and you don't I think it's a mindset too mm -hmm. yeah um it's interesting you're describing essentially exactly what Skinner described of, you know, you have a set of novel stimuli and then that evokes a novel thought and it just kind of follows this process of creativity and of, and the end result is something, is a novel response. It's that new creative, whatever you're creating. So because you keep going to woodworking, and that is at the end of our outline. Let's talk about some things that are not woodworking. Okay, perfect. Okay. So I just kind of Googled some examples of creativity and I kind of want to talk about, you know, based on the Skinnerian definition of creativity of a novel response. Let's talk about how we could measure creativity, how we know um, creativity is happening, what's the schedule of reinforcement, all of these kinds of things. So the first one was uh, acting. And I think one of the interesting questions here is who decides whether acting is creative? Well, I think it's a process of both the actor and the, the viewer. Mm -hmm. um, and I, we were talking earlier about how like, um, is it music that we were talking about earlier? Yes, that's going to be a, we, we, we have had a lot of conversations. We were trying music. to save it for the podcast yeah. here, but you stopped me. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I guess like the, the thing that comes to mind in, in my mind is like Broadway. Yeah. So you have a play or a musical, you know, on Broadway and it can be a wildly different experience for the viewer, mm -hmm. depending on who the actor is. Yes. Um, and even depending on the time of day or like mm -hmm. the mood of the actor can really change yeah. like who that character is that right. the actor is portraying. Mm -hmm. um, you know, book versus movie mm -hmm. is a big thing because right. when you read a book, you have like one idea of who this person is and you go watch a movie and somebody portrays it differently. Mm -hmm. um, and then you go watch the 1984 version or whatever yeah. versus the 2023 version of that movie, mm -hmm. right? Like you see the second rendition of that same movie and it's a totally different movie. Right. Um, right. Like Willy Wonka, like the 1980s version, 1970s mm -hmm. version of Willy Wonka is way different than the Johnny Depp version. Yeah. But I think that both are creative in their own way. Yeah. I'm thinking of uh, Beauty and the Beast the animated one versus the live action one, uh, a lot of the script is the exact same. A lot of the songs are the exact same. Uh, the live action version obviously is not animated. So the visuals are different and there's some added uh, elements of the story and some added songs and things like that. 
and the end result is completely different, even though there's a lot of same, the same elements. I, I feel like at least one of our listeners is going to be like, Maddie, you're nitpicking and so you should stop. But um, I'm sorry, I'm not going to. Um, when we're talking about acting, and this is the same for a lot of these things. When we're talking about the actor, the person who is acting out a scene, do we think that the first time or the second time that they act out a scene is more creative than opening day of the play or closing day? You know, they've done it a thousand times at this point. I'm gonna say it depends. That's my favorite answer. <laughs> I had a professor that loved saying that. So I think that it really depends on like the mood of the actor. Mm -hmm. um, I think that many actors that I've heard like interviews of have said that the process is creative throughout because they're always trying to define and continually like refine that character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, listen to the fans and be like, oh, I'm going to try and portray them this way in the next yeah. movie or, um, you know, really trying to understand the character, mm -hmm. like study that character. Yeah. I mean, but there could be an actor that just goes through the motions. Yeah. And I mean, maybe in their own way that that is creative for them. Um, I guess kind of as we talked before, it's largely on like the the person doing the creating and how they feel about it yeah. um, that kind of dictates the creativity of the thing. Like it's interesting as you're talking about mood, um, which depending on how we're looking at it, emotions are behavior, but they can also be setting events or they can be the result of different setting events and all of these things. So, but essentially, what, when we're talking about acting, the actor has their own environment and there are things that are happening in their life and their environment that are going to affect how they are going to respond, how they're going to behave. Um, so, you know, if they come into rehearsal and they are starting to feel a cold coming on. They are gonna have to do things differently to try to mitigate that. And then there's also the added layer of trying to get into another person's environment, even though that person may not be real or you know, if it's a real story, that person is not there to tell them exactly how they feel and how they, how they felt and how these things affected them, right? So the actor has their own environment and they're trying to interpret and get into the headspace of somebody else's environment. And that's going to change from day to day. Definitely. And I think it's interesting. I kind of keep coming back to actors who have portrayed uh, characters that have already been portrayed. Yeah. So like the Joker is a good example mm -hmm. of this, where you have the Joker from like the 70s, 80s, 90s, mm -hmm. who's like a more funny, happy, like silly Joker. And then Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight is like a much more like crazy Joker. Yeah. Like flamboyant crazy. Mm -hmm. And then you have Joaquin Phoenix from the most recent Joker movie who is like a very depressed Joker. Okay. And it's the same character, right? It's the same uh, fandom, I guess. Yeah. But 
very different portrayal of that same character. And I think all of those are very creative in and of themselves. Yeah. All right. So neither of us really have any experience with acting, but the next one is something that I have experience with that you don't. Um, what are you talking about? I'm pro. A hundred percent. When? I would love to know. Oh, I was like a ballerina on Broadway. Oh, wow. Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. There's a lot of things you don't know. Interesting. So I kind of want to talk about dancing a little bit. And full disclosure, I am not a dancer. I was a cheerleader. Cheer dance and dance dance are very different. I can't do dance dance. Um, but in terms of this discussion, I think that they're pretty similar. You can use one combination or even, you know, all of dance is the same moves put together in different ways to different music, right? And there are a lot of different moves, right? Not every routine has every single thing, right? There's a lot of different ways you can put these things together, but at its core, it's moving your body in a way put together with a lot of other movements to different music. And when, so when I was on cheer, when you're at a football game, you don't tell the announcer what music to play, but as the cheerleader, you are expected to dance to whatever music they play. So we learned dances that could be put to any music. Any music that has an eight count, we could put that dance too. And so we did, um, you know, they would turn on a song and they'd say, okay, sideline dance one, five, six, seven, eight, go. Um, is that creative? Is that more creative than doing a choreographed routine to the same music? What do you think? I would say perhaps it's less creative. Oh. I know, coming in strong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it's like, that's an interesting one. Because like, I guess you could say that like, I don't know, the thing that I have in my mind is like, oh, wow, that was like a more creative rendition of that, right? Mm -hmm. Saying like somebody that put a lot, a lot of effort to make it like unique to that song. Um, so you're saying that the creativity is in the eye of the beholder perhaps in this case okay. um I also think perhaps it's like a level of effort mm -hmm. um in terms of like the more thought and effort you put into it the more creative it could be mm. um but I guess it's also very creative to figure out a dance that works with any song that's played for you right so the in this case the choreographer is highly creative Definitely. Okay, I'll accept that. Now, this next one is one of my loves in life, and that is fashion. Do you want me to ask it? Sure, you okay. can ask it. I'm, I'm the interviewer now. Thank you. Okay, is it creative to see someone else put a blue top and white skirt together? Is that the question? That, there's more to oh. the question. <laughs> Fail. Okay. <laughs> Rewind. Is it creative to see someone else put a blue top and white skirt together and then put your different blue top and white skirt together yourself? I think it is. 
and I think that unless you are directly copying something and saying, I'm going to click the link in their bio and I'm going to buy their thing and I'm going to put it with their thing, then you're being creative because there are different things that you're putting together and there's different nuances to the exact color and tone of what you are putting on your body as opposed to what they are putting on theirs. And even to some extent, even if it is the exact same top and skirt, if you put a different necklace or if it fits your body in a different way than it fits their body, and maybe you need to tuck it in to make it look the way you want it to, or I don't know, make some adjustment to how you are wearing it. Um, I think it's creative. And I think fashion is really fascinating to me because there are a lot of quote unquote rules of fashion. And I think that a lot of fashion is knowing those rules and breaking those rules. So I have another question. Okay. Is it creative then uh, if you see like a, an outfit on Instagram that you like and you go through the effort to go figure out what all is in that outfit mm -hmm. and wear it yourself? Is that a creative process? I think the process is, yes. And the reason being, now I knew that this would come up at some point, I'm a massive Taylor Swift fan, massive, okay? And I follow an account on Instagram who finds, who, you know, uses pictures of Taylor Swift and she finds the outfits and she posts them to her, for her followers. Um, and then she also will post, you know, Taylor Swift's cost $3,000. Here's the one you could buy for 30, right? But in both of these, you know, whether she's finding the exact thing or finding a dupe, um, there's creativity in that. Is there creativity in it for you being the Instagram follower who, who follows her work and then goes and just clicks the Amazon link and buys all the stuff that she says to buy? I think if that's all you're doing and you're just putting it on your body and doing exactly what she's told you to, no, it's not a novel response. Although then there's another question of like, does it have to be your novel response or does it have to be her novel response? Because I've never done that before, but it has been done before. But I, I would say now there's less creativity in that. So yeah, I think that a lot of creativity in some applications is knowing the rules and knowing how to break those. I mean, I think that we also see that a lot with poetry, which I admit I know little, very little about, but I believe there are a lot of rules and they get broken on occasion. The extent of my poetry knowledge is putting something in chat GPT and then having it write it, rewrite it as a limerick ah. or a sonnet or whatever. So oh, that is great. I am very, not very well versed mm -hmm. in poetry. In right. So, uh, We'll have to go to our viewers for that. Tell us how and when poetry is creative. Well, I think it's interesting, like thinking about classical poets. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have any on the top of my head right now, but I imagine that like the inception of that uh, genre was like 
a very creative, like very thinking out the box kind of a process. And, you know, like writing a haiku, um, that's like figuring out the number of syllables that fit within that framework. <laughs> Is it like five, seven, five? Maybe. I have I'm, no idea. I gotta look it up. <laughs> okay. One moment. Awesome. It's, it's five, seven, five. five. Good yeah. job. I'm proud of you. I do know more about poetry than you think. <laughs> um, but so like in the, like a haiku, you know, you have set number of syllables that you can use mm -hmm. um, and figuring out creative words to use and, and work within that framework, I think is very creative, even though you have the framework already. Mm -hmm. And there's like a million different ways that you can write a haiku as simple as it is. And I think that that plays into like, you know, limericks and sonnets and mm -hmm. uh you know different types of like cadence poetry mm -hmm. and then you can also do like free verse poetry where it's just like writing and mm -hmm. there's no rules yeah um and that's very creative because you're kind of making up your own mm -hmm. so poetry is pretty cool yeah yeah um so i i don't know a lot about poetry so we're gonna move on to something i do know a little more about which is hair. So one of the things that I was a little bit surprised to see on this list of creativity, creative things you can do was uh, like working as a hairdresser or hairstylist. I, so I was surprised to see it on the list, but then I was like, oh, I'm not. Because even if two different clients come in and they give their hairstylist the same picture and they say, this is the haircut I want, their hair is different. You know, they, one may have straight hair and one may have curly hair and one may have fine strands and one may have thick strands and one may have a lot of strands on their head where um, the other may not have as many strands on their head. Um, there's a lot that goes into this and I'm not a hairdresser or a hairstylist, but I know hair a little bit, you know. And so even if the end product is the same on two different people, the process is completely different. And it's up to that hairstylist to know how to use their scissors and the different techniques to use to come to that result. Would you say that it gets less creative as they build experience? So I don't know. I, I don't know if I know enough about hairstylists to know that but what I would say is that it becomes less creative within clients right so if I go to my hairstylist and I say I want the exact same thing as last time it's going to be less creative because they're just replicating something and there is still going to be some amount of creativity because I may have more split ends this time than last time or maybe it's been longer and so there's more hair to cut off or something like that but I think that it becomes a little bit less creative when somebody says, do the same thing. Makes sense. It's very interesting, especially like in men's haircuts, because those are the ones that I know the best. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I used to have one barber that I went to and I've been like trying to find like my guy yeah. since we've moved here to Florida. And, you know, it used to be that I was like, hey, 
give me the usual. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I kind of have to explain like what I want. And so there's like a creative aspect of like, do I want to do the same thing? Do I want to do something different? Um, But also communicating that to him or her um, and like trying to like make them understand what I need Mm -hmm. and then them taking their skill set to like make it into what I want and Mm -hmm. not let me down that's like a lot of yeah a lot of stuff going on all at once maybe that's another conversation we could have there's a new professor that just moved to our area who has a big interest in communication and I think there's a lot of creativity in communication um and this is the result that I want. So how do I string together words in order to make it so that you will understand and be able to produce what I want or whatever. So now here's your moment to shine. Actually, you have two moments to shine. Epic. So um, I'm just going to let you like take the reins and talk. Uh, let's, Let's talk about the creativity of woodworking. I am so ready for this moment here. I think I talked about it a little bit earlier. There are, it's kind of like what you make of it. Yeah. Um, Woodworking can be a very process oriented thing. Yeah. So like a cabinet shop, like a professional cabinet shop, they are cranking out, you know, it may be custom cabinets, but the, how you build a cabinet doesn't really change. And so you're kind of doing the same thing over and over and over again. You get really good at that thing. Perhaps like the initial learning curve is creative, but batching out like a whole house worth of cabinets for a guy that's like girl or whoever that's like very experienced is not very creative because you're just doing the same process that you've done forever. Yeah. Whereas if I build a cabinet, I've built a few in my life, um, but I'm not an expert. I'm not like a professional woodworker that does this every single day it's a much more creative like learning process for me to figure out like how I'm doing things and tying different skills that I have from other projects that I've done into like, how do I create this cabinet? That's one example. Kind of like I talked about earlier, every single piece of wood is unique. Um, There's some, you know, types of wood that are very uh, like straight grained and very uh, uniform. But a lot of wood, especially the type of wood that I like to use is like very, very unique. And so you have this creative aspect of like, how am I gonna build this, build something out of this like very specific item? Um, Like for instance, the project's not done because I have an issue with like not finishing projects. But we, Maddie and I were at this woodworking store um, probably like two years ago. And we found this like gorgeous, like small rosewood slab. Um, It's like pretty skinny, maybe like a foot wide and like, it was like 12 feet long and maybe like an inch and a half thick. This piece of just like gorgeous rosewood. I watched some YouTube videos and and like the the board is not very straight. It had like a really crazy kind of curve to it. Um, So I watched some YouTube videos of like, what am I gonna do with this? And somebody else kind of on YouTube taught me that you can like join a board on a curve. So instead of like gluing two pieces of straight wood together, you can join them on a curve. Um, 
So I did that. And that's like, maybe not a unique idea, but I thought that was kind of creative. And it, it, I had forgotten about this project. You should finish that. <laughs> um, but I do remember when we bought this piece of wood, we had a lot of conversations where you were like, I don't know if I can join this on the curb because somebody else did it and I don't want to rip them off. And, you know, that's very noble and valid. And, you know, this is a problem that we're going to get to in a moment when we talk about music. But it's also like you're doing it different. Even though you are joining on a curve and it's still different. Yeah, and I think I've certainly never seen somebody do it. Um, and I didn't, I thought I was going to screw it up. Um, I had very little confidence in myself. And like, I think perhaps like some piece of creativity is having this like delusion that you can actually do whatever you're setting <laughs> out to do. And I think that's cool. Like if I just joined that board on, on a straight edge, it would have been fine, whatever. Like, but it wouldn't have the story to it. We wouldn't be talking about it in a podcast right, right. now. Right. So I think that that like, this idea that you can do it, going out, setting out to do it, actually doing it. I mean, it turned out pretty cool. Project's not done, but like that aspect of it is done and it looks really cool. Yeah. I think that like humans are unique in their ability to talk themselves into doing things <laughs> and also talk themselves out of doing things. Perhaps it's a delusion of like, mm -hmm. I just, I know that I can figure this out. And there is no other way because we have to do it this way. I, yeah. I don't know. Like that, that's a very unique aspect of like woodworking, but also life in general for yeah. me is this like unearned confidence of like, I shouldn't be able to do this, but I can. And that's kind of cool. So let's talk about music, which is also something that you can go on and on and on about for hours on it. I have a good segue for you. Great. Woodworkers had to build the guitar. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see myself out now. <laughs> no, I need you for this part okay. of the conversation. We have had this conversation so many times. So what I'm going to say is you can see my notes here. Mm -hmm. We have had this conversation, maybe not in this exact format and, you know, framed this way, but we've had so many conversations about music. What do you want to say about it? Well, I think that music is very, very unique. Yeah. In that there are millions of different combinations of songs that you can possibly make. I, I've heard, I've watched a video or, or read about it, that it's like a very interesting thing that our mind can create, like different melodies, and then also put different words to those melodies. And, you know, like writing and rewriting, revising the song can really change like everything about it. Yeah. Um, but we also see in pop culture that there are songwriters that are catching like huge flack for, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think the word is interpolating. Okay. It's like using something that somebody else has written and revising it to make it your own. Yeah. Um, I think we see this with like Ariana Grande. And um, it's a song from The Sound of Music. Uh, 
like these are a few of my favorite things yeah um I think her song is like seven rings um and she had to sign over like all of the rights to the song it's a very unique rendition of the song from the sound of music but it's kind of ripping it off so like was there creative I guess in your opinion was there creativity in her process of rewriting that song even though she kind of had to like sign over the rights to it so I would say yes and it may not be as much creativity as if it was an entirely new song but if she had released the lyrics as a written poem instead of a song we would have called it creative but instead she released it as a song that went to the exact same music as something that had already been done so I would say that there's maybe less creativity to that song and as opposed to what's another Ariana Grande song God's Woman doesn't she have a song that called that yeah so maybe Seven Rings is less creative than God is a Woman but that doesn't mean that it's not at all creative um and same with Olivia Rodrigo has done the same with uh which song um I think Cruel Summer from Taylor Swift she's uh interpolated a few songs from Paramore yeah I think Misery Business yeah um and hers are very unique because like you don't hear it the first time you listen to it and I don't think that there was ill intent or malfeasance on her part uh trying to rip somebody off but you know so I guess this brings up a point is like you hear all of these things in you know, you're listening to music and trying to like, uh, like gain inspiration for whatever you want to create in the same wood, the same way that like a woodworker might read books or like look at other people's types of work and then go and make something like that. Um, but like Olivia Rodrigo is taking everything that she's hearing, creating a song about it and then getting slammed for ripping these people off. Right. I will say, I agree. I don't think there's ill intent. I am glad that I am not the lawyer or manager or whoever that has to decide. Um, you know, in the case of Ariana Grande, I think 100% of the rights had to go to whoever owns the Sound of Music, music rights or whatever. And we're not and trying to quote, it may be a little bit less than that. I'm not right. sure. But with Olivia Rodrigo, we know that it is less that is going to Taylor Swift and Paramore and she's still getting some of those, you know, and I'm glad that I don't have to determine, well, 50% of this was ripped off and so you get 50% of the money. I, I, no, not commenting on that. I don't know. I'm glad that somebody else has to make that decision. I also recognize that I'm not a songwriter. I couldn't do what they do and they, they do better than I ever could, but you know, our conversation is about creativity. And I would say that those are, see, it's even hard because I was going to say they're maybe less creative than other things, but really, I imagine, I don't know for sure because I'm not a songwriter, but I imagine that what is happening for all of these songwriters, woodworkers, all, you know, everything they're taking stimuli that they have seen or heard or experienced sometime in their learning history 
whether that is, I heard this one word this one time and I heard this word and I'm going to put them together to make this sentence to tell this story. And then I heard this note and I heard this note and I heard this note and I'm going to put them together to create this melody. You're taking all these stimuli that have occurred at some point in your learning history and they're combining them and they're putting them together in some way. And who am I to decide whether that way is creative or not? I don't know. That makes sense. So what do you think? I know that you're a big Taylor Swift fan. Sam. I know a lot less of this situation than you, but I understand that she's like re-recording a lot of her albums. Would you say that that is or is, would you say that that's creative or less creative than like making the song in the first place? So I would say, and this is also a point that I wanted to talk about with the uh, schedules of reinforcement because music is usually reinforced on a lag infinity schedule. You cannot re-release the same music um, unless, you know, I think Kelly Clarkson has released like a greatest hits album. I know I'm sure that other people have done that. And Taylor Swift is re-recording her, her albums um, or her earliest albums, not all of them. But I think it's similar to what we were talking about with acting. Maybe some days, some instances, there may be less creativity. And on other days, you know, the most recent at the time of this recording and probably at the time that we released this episode, the most recent album that Taylor Swift released, I feel like I should be putting on my like tinfoil hat because I'm probably going to lose some people here. But the most recent album that she released was her Speak Now album, which was a very emotional time in her life, or it was originally written in a very emotional time in her life. And the music, you know, she's bringing on the same band members, the same backup singers. She's trying to make it as similar as possible to the previous version. But in this case, she is 12 or 13 years older than when she originally recorded this album. And so her voice has changed and, you know, things are a little bit different. But so has her life, her environment, her experience. And so putting herself in that place where she can talk about or sing about these very emotional experiences that she had, that's probably going to take some different strategies and some different responses than it did 13 years ago when she was living in it. So I think it kind of is the point of perspective. Um, maybe it is less creative because she recorded it 13 years ago and now she's recording it today. And maybe it is the same amount of creative or similar amounts of creative because she has to put herself in a place to record those things and to, you know, bring up the same responses and the same or similar amounts of emotion when she's singing a song that's as emotional as Innocent or Last Kiss or, you know, these, I think, I think that there is something to be said about putting yourself back in that place. I just think of it from like a production standpoint, like it's, I'm not sure if she's using like the same recording studio and the same guitar and the same producer mm -hmm. 
and I don't know how the music industry works, whether or not they like save all of their settings so that they can come back to it in the future. I imagine that's probably not a thing. Maybe it is, I don't know. But there's gotta be some creativity in terms of like, how do we take exactly what we made 12 years ago and remake it and make mm -hmm. it sound as exact as possible while still giving it like a new flair or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and we haven't even gotten into producers and engineers. I mean, you talked a little bit about your own experience, but um, certainly those are things that are also creative. So, so what's the freaking point of it all? <laughs> I mean, the, the conversation was spurred by we can't teach creativity, which, I mean, I think that the kind of mindset of behavior analysis is if we can measure it, we can teach it. And so we've spent the last hour or so talking about, well, we can measure creativity and here's how, and here are examples of, you know, what is creativity and how we can measure it. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that creativity is hugely beneficial. Yeah. Because like, what is life? I don't want to be like, what's the point of life without <laughs> creativity? But like, we are all very unique people. Mm -hmm. We all have very unique interests. And like, that is what makes living life so cool. You know, I think life would be pretty dull if you're just like casually going to work and everybody drives a gray car and the sky is gray and everything sucks. And there's no creativity and like almost like no color in life. Like this vision that I have in my head of like everything is grayscale and we're all like really dull human beings. I would just like to point out that he's wearing a gray shirt right now with black shorts. But what does the shirt say? It oh, says Moss Tacos Pork Floor. It is so. a great, is that not a creative shirt? It's very unique. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think that life would be very dull without creativity. And if that is the only and sole point of creativity, that's enough for me. Well, thank you for being here with me today. It's been uh, a great experience. Thank you for having me. Good, good. Make sure to come back next week. We have a new podcast with Dr. Nasia. Let's see if I can say it correctly. Serencioni Ulezi coming out next week. She's going to be talking to Dr. Danielle Beal. It's a fantastic conversation. Highly encourage you coming back. And that one will also be available for continuing education credits. And come back next week. Thank you for being here, and we'll see you next time. Peace out. <laughs>